back to another episode of Working Wife, Happy Life. I am your host, Bethany Baines. There is a light at the end of the tunnel. I am feeling very positive this week, and maybe it is the much-needed sunshine we were finally graced with uh, here in the Northeast, or maybe it's the approval of the one-shot J&J vaccine. Maybe it's the idea that it's March, and spring is right around the corner for those of us in the Northern Hemisphere. Whatever it is, in a year plus of ups and downs, today, today, today feels like an up. And I hope it is for you too. And I can guarantee, I promise you, that this episode is most definitely an up. You'll hear me say it so many times during our conversation, but I swear this needs to be a meditation. Not like pull over, close your eyes, you almost fall asleep type meditation, but like write these little gems of advice on a post-it note and stick it on your bathroom mirror type of meditation. Our guest today, Charlene Walters, is an entrepreneur coach, business and branding mentor, and the author of Launch Your Inner Entrepreneur, 10 Mindset Shifts for Women to Take Action, Unleash Creativity, and Achieve Financial Success. She serves as a mentor on Entrepreneurs Magazine Ask an Expert Forum and has taught hundreds of courses and led workshops for entrepreneurs. She's also a contributor to many digital media outlets, including Entrepreneur Magazine, Business Insider, The Financial Post, Thrive Global, Bustle, and more. As I mentioned, this episode is packed with so many practical and digestible tips to make your life more simplified and to put you first. There's tips on burnout, schedule tracking, identifying time sucks, imposter syndrome, how to reset when focusing on the negative, hello, building your side hustle, nailing your personal brand, building presence, and getting rid of the need to be perfect. She offers advice on organizing your goals, and finding an ups and downs buddy, which is a notion I absolutely love. So get ready and enjoy this enlightening, optimistic, and pragmatic conversation with Charlene. Charlene, it's so wonderful to meet you, another Connecticut girl. Thank you for joining us on Working Wife, Happy Life. Thank you so much for having me, Bethany. I'm thrilled to be here. Yeah, and I love when I always say us as if it's not just me in this room and sometimes my dog, but usually I try to kick her out. But <laughs> You know, it's I've got my kids around too, floating around somewhere. So we're all in this together. I was going to say, we can guarantee at least one interruption, whether it's going to be I've, sometimes my smoke alarm goes off, sometimes the dog barks. but um... Or the doorbell, the aggressive doorbell. Exactly. <laughs> <That's> the <worst. laughs> our, our life these days is just rolling with the punches. Um and, you know, it seems to be the epitome of what you kind of work through and talk about in terms of being an entrepreneur coach and really focusing on the importance of certain tenets for entrepreneurship. I would love if you could share with our listeners a little bit of your background um, and a little bit of your work. Definitely. So I started off in Connecticut as an English major at UConn. And I moved to Miami as soon as I graduated because I wanted to get out of the cold weather. <laughs> and yeah, you know how that goes. And there I got a job in sales, which was brand new for me. And I really, really started to love business and I wanted to learn more. So at that point, I went back to school, got my MBA. And when I finished that, I thought I'm 
need to look for something else career-wise. I'm kind of moving up. This is a new achievement. So I found a position that said, must have an MBA. It was for an associate dean at a business college. And I thought, well, I have one now. Let me try for that. So that was a whole new world. So I kind of went back and forth between higher ed and marketing and sales for many years until eventually I worked on a digital entrepreneurship MBA program curriculum curriculum was my specialty. Mm -hmm. So there, I really learned a lot about entrepreneurship, started loving working with entrepreneurs, sort of just got into that space. I also, at that time, started doing some mentoring with Entrepreneur Magazine. Mm -hmm. And it just kind of went from there. I became more and more engaged and hooked. And that's when eventually I started writing a book on entrepreneurship. And I decided that women could really use that extra help there. Yeah. And, and, And the book is called Launch Your Inner Entrepreneur, 10 Mindset Shifts for Women to Take Action, Unleash Creativity, and Achieve Financial Success. So why was the drive to write a book and kind of distill all this into something that you could share more widely? So I was always a person who wanted to write a book. It was my goal. That's why I was an English major undergrad, but I sort of put it on the back burner. And then I started thinking about what areas I could add add value, what I like to write about, what I like to speak about. And it kind of all boiled together into this entrepreneurial mindset. And I started looking at what was available on the market and how I could add value and differentiate myself. And I started looking at women and there wasn't a lot aimed specifically at mindset for women who have unique challenges. And Mm -hmm. that's what led me to write the book. And it turned out to be perfect timing because now with the pandemic, so many women were impacted by furloughs, by layoffs, and just leaving the workforce due to all the stuff that's going on in terms of homeschooling, in terms of taking care of their families. So it just all kind of worked out at a good time. Yeah, no, I mean, certainly we are all quite aware and continuing to live it. Even those of us that are keeping our jobs are still feeling the kind of uneven impact of of this pandemic on women. And, and it is really key to identify what some of those unique challenges are for women in the entrepreneur space. And um, kind of what, what are some of the top areas that you've identified in terms of what we need to think about differently as women if we're thinking about going out on our own? So some of the biggest areas are just taking action in general. That's a big one because that jump into entrepreneurship is such a big leap. You -hmm. don't want to give up that steady paycheck, right? It's a lot to really think about and put your mind around. And it's not only that initial leap, but it's taking action moving on. So that could be more challenging for women who can sometimes be a little more risk averse, right? We also tend to have more issues related to confidence. There's that confidence gap between men and women. There's been many studies done. And what it is, is women are raised to kind of be perfect or they want to be perfect before they put themselves out there. And when you're new in a business or new in a role or new project, you don't yet have those qualifications. So we've kind of got to get over that. And there's a famous study where Men will go for positions when they have only 60% of the qualifications versus women who wait for 100%. So it's that kind of same thing, just 
boosting yourself up, learning to get more comfortable with putting yourself front and center, because that's difficult for women too. We're sometimes judged a little bit more harshly Mm -hmm. when we kind of brag about our accomplishments and we kind of showcase our abilities. So it's just about flipping our mindset so that we can do that more to be successful. And then it goes without being said that women are often balancing more. We have more issues related and obligations related to home life and work. So being an entrepreneur and balancing your family can be more challenging for women. It's not to say that there aren't men out there who are doing the same thing, but typically women tend to get the brunt of it. Yeah. I mean, you, you always, there's always going to be exceptions, but in terms of the broad strokes, you know, you talked about, even in your introduction, when you said you were looking at that role and you're like, oh, I have an MBA now, now I can do it. And it's like, (laughs) how many men would be like, I can do that. I don't know. (laughs) And and you see it all the time, right? You see it play out in the business world. You see it play out in politics. You see it play out in entertainment and all of these different industries where there, there's kind of a pass given to the potential of, of men, whereas there's much more, um, both socialized internally for women and I think externally of like, well, let's see what you've done in the past. Do you think that's, that, that, that's true, that it comes from both internal and external factors? I I do. I think it's both. I think it goes back to that old ideology that men are the main breadwinners. Therefore, we have to pay them more. We have to give them more opportunities. And that's far from the truth. Now, Mm -hmm. women, 46% of all women are either the primary or co-breadwinners for their family. So that's old, outdated, but it still somehow lingers with us. And I think sometimes men a little bit more look out for each other than women do necessarily. Mm. So we've got to get better as women, as a group of just recognizing each other and pulling each other up, I believe. Yeah. And, and I think also, I think that's absolutely true. And I also think there are more men in positions of power who are able to lift up other men than there are women in positions of power. And sometimes when women get there, we have this gratitude effect. Well, I'm right. just grateful to be here. I don't want to rock the boat. Um, and and that is, um, I, I think there's been studies, but I'll share anecdotally, there's something about the numbers of women that once you get past a certain number, whether it's two or three at the table, like on a board seat or something, or on a board of directors, that's when kind of that gratitude notion starts to take a backseat and you're more like, all right, I can get that out of my head. Let's just talk. Right? <laughs> that's where we'll really start to see the, the critical factors. But so much of this is wound up in unconscious decisions and unconscious ways that we interact or present ourselves that need to be addressed. Definitely. I mean, there's a lot to be done. We're making a lot of progress, but unfortunately it's not quick enough to keep up with changing dynamics that we have going on in society. There are, uh, they are changing every day. (laughs) (laughs) As I was sharing my story about me shoveling out my, my, uh, front walk this morning. Um, now you talked about kind of the 10, your book is the 10 mindset shifts. Are there particular ones that you could tease for us that you think are kind of the most critical or the ones that come up the most often? Yeah, definitely. I've worked with a lot of new entrepreneurs and there's two things that I see a lot of. And one is that they have a lot of ideas and they want to get going, but it's almost too many ideas. So they're almost overwhelmed to the point that they can't take action. So that's a big one, taking action and then organizing their goals and then coming up with a plan to make them happen. So organizing their time, setting the goals, and then the micro steps that it will take for them to get there. And then another big one 
that I see a lot is, and it seems like it would be obvious, but it's failure to concentrate on revenue generating activities. Mm. Those are critical to longevity of your business. Sometimes we are kind of seduced by the sexiness of entrepreneurship. We're going to put up our website. We're going to get our social media accounts going. We're going to do all of these other activities. But at the end of the day, first and foremost, we really have to get that money coming in so that we can stay in it for the long haul that it will take for us to be a success. Yeah. I, I, it's, it's so funny. I always think about that in terms of even my to-do list, right? Like what is the most meaningful thing I can do first, because that's typically what I'm putting last on my list. I'm getting out those little nuanced, easy to do things so I can feel accomplished. But it is really thinking of, you know, what's that $10,000 thing that I can do first and then move on down the line. Absolutely. I have a, a category in my book called tackle the meh first, <laughs> because it's those things that we put off that we really need to do. It's so true. It's so true. And it's there's there's an unending list each day. But w one thing I want to talk about, because you mentioned breadwinners, um, and it can be a very uh, risky or scary thing for female breadwinners um, to think about going out on their own as an entrepreneur. Um, one from the financial uh, responsibility aspect, uh, but two, just because it frankly is harder as a woman. It's harder to raise funding. Um, it's harder to uh, get loans, like those types of things. And so uh, kind of what are your thoughts or what would your encouragement be to any breadwinning women that are listening about taking that leap and about taking that risk? Yeah, definitely. And it can be scary. So I always recommend starting if you can as a side hustle. That way you can get everything done up front while you still have a paycheck coming in. You can work on your business plan. You can work on setting up all of the things that you need to do, your paperwork, your social media accounts, your website, all of your plans for sales and revenue generation, and then kind of get that going. And once you have enough traction, then launch off on your own. I also recommend saving up some money, just anything you can do to mitigate that financial risk. And then in terms of being a woman in business, it is more difficult, but we can work on those areas we struggle with, such as negotiation. We can practice and prepare. I think a lot of it has to do with showing up. And if we're feeling uncomfortable and that need to be perfect, we just need to wrap our mindset around we don't have to be per perfect. And those areas that we don't know, we can research and practice and learn from others, grab a mentor, join a mastermind group, and just lean on each other for support. Mm-hmm. And, and I totally agree. And I think the guidance of doing it as a side hustle is, is dead on. It can also be, you know, you have this moment of when, right? Cause I've also heard the old adage, it's only going to be part-time as long as you keep it part-time. <laughs> right. So it's like, when do you know, is that right moment to, to really I invest in yourself? I think it's different for everyone, but I think eventually you get to some point where it's too much to do both. And that's yes. what I've heard many entrepreneurs say over and over again. It happened for myself. So I think that's the best launching point. Yep. You've gained enough traction and it's becoming overwhelming and it's time to just move in that direction. Yeah. that, that so And that sounds like such a, what a beautiful moment when that, when that <laughs> it did <is>. happen. <laughs> it really is. Uh, you also share kind of a perspective on a term that I've heard before, and it's not widely known, but this idea of intrapreneurship yes. um, and the idea of kind of, you know, 
starting something within a larger company and still having that same spirit and really that same fulfillment from the idea. Um, can you share your perspective or your thoughts on that term and, and what you've seen it mean in your experience? Yeah, I think that there isn't a corporation around today that doesn't want entrepreneurs there. They want people who think like they're the business owner. They're concentrating on not just this is a cool project for us, but how can this project make us money? How can it be successful? They're really looking at it from that owner's mindset. And I really encourage all employees, everyone to think with that kind of mindset, to start looking for innovative and creative ways to get things done, to get out there and network work and really pay attention to what's happening in your space. Again, this will only come back to help you. And also having to do with personal branding and building presence, that is wonderful for any company to have those kind of thought leaders among them. And the more we can interact with each other and learn from each other, the better off we'll be. So whether you're an entrepreneur on your own and leading your company or working at another company, that entrepreneurial mindset will really take you far. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you're, you're touching on kind of the personal branding and the presence, and, and you mentioned this before, and I'm, I'm just curious, I, I know it's not necessarily the, on the revenue generating path in terms of things to do, but when you think about social media, like, what are your thoughts on it? It's, it's become a currency, right? It's it, become a defining factor of whether or not you're an established business uh, or thought leader. I'm just curious your perspectives. Yeah, so I was probably early on someone who was late to adopt <laughs> social media. I just was shy and I didn't want to put myself out there. I don't know why. And then, you know, I'm one now, I'm all over it. People will say, oh, you're filling up my LinkedIn feed or you're filling up my Twitter feed. And it's so valuable for networking. I have made so many connections on LinkedIn, on Twitter, on Instagram. These people will come at you with opportunities for speaking or for introducing you to new contacts. And I feel like it just kind of keeps building. Like mm -hmm. one person will introduce you to another who will introduce you to another, and then you'll introduce them. So I say it's a must for everyone today. And even if you're working in an organization, people will find out about what you know, and they'll become interested. If they have a need for someone like you, they'll think of you right away. It's very important. Yeah. It, it's, it's funny how, again, going back to your, your theme of mindsets, right? It's all about how you think about it. I think there were moments where it initially was such a time suck, or then you feel like everything is so curated. And sometimes you just, you know... I guess less so now that people are taking fewer vacations, but you feel like your life is so crappy compared to other people. And, you know, it, has, it does have that impact. Um, and it does take a lot of time, right? It's like an investment in, in the platform. But I've personally also been, uh, you know, really blown away by the networking opportunity and the way, you know, particularly in isolation right now, it's continuing to happen because of these these platforms. So Absolutely. I think too, if you can work on social media in chunks and try to just schedule it all during certain days, you know, we can get distracted by it easily during the day. So if we try to just work on it at certain times and then try to reuse content, you know, it can be feel overwhelming to try to be everywhere. But if we can use our blog post piece of it to put on Twitter, something else to put on Instagram, just kind of work it together so it's mm -hmm. less overwhelming. Mm -hmm. And then I also tell people when they're first starting out with personal branding, don't try to be everywhere at first. Pick a few areas, concentrate there, and then branch out from there. Yeah. 
No, and it's going back to what you were saying too about kind of getting organized, take action, come up with your plan. It's like if you just say, okay, I've got to post a, a reel. I don't even know what a reel is, to be honest, but if you've got to <laughs> post like a reel every day, you know, it just then you're you're constantly thinking about it and it's and it feels like a stressor that doesn't need to be there. But exactly. I love, I love that advice of kind of anchoring around a column or a post and how can you repurpose some of that for the different mediums? Because they are all unique too. Absolutely. You have to be consistent, but I, I always say, you know, don't worry about being, you know, every Monday, Friday, I have to post something or whatever it is, as long as you're consistently doing it. And some weeks I'll have more than others. And I think also sometimes you can actually overwhelm your followers if you're, you know, posting too much. So just kind of try that, find that balance and just stick with it. And over time, you'll start to branch out more. Yeah. I'd, I'd love to switch gears for a minute because I, I'm thinking of uh, one of my best friends who left a corporate gig, went out on her own. And one of the biggest things that she missed was kind of the ability to bounce ideas off somebody. And you kind of had this community around you of, of colleagues and peers that you could really use to help guide you. And so what what is so critical about, you know, finding mentors or finding, you know, building your own board of directors informally and kind of finding those networking opportunities to help you as you branch out on your own. Yeah. I think in terms of like getting stuck or stalled, what I've always found, if I can talk to somebody who thinks differently, thinks the opposite of me, they will give me an idea or a suggestion. It might not be exactly what I want to do, but it will start me thinking down a different path. So I always bring up things, whether it's in mastermind groups or whether I pick up art with a mentor and this idea of a mentor, you know, it used to be, this is something else is that sort of antiquated back in, you know, a long time ago, we stayed at a company for a super long time, which isn't always the case now. And we stuck with one person who kind of helped guide us in our career. Now we can have different mentors. We can have an actual former mentor where we go and we actually stick to our goals and they held us accountable or we can get little bits from different mentors here and there. Mm -hmm. Sometimes if you're getting into something new, when I was getting into book publishing, it was new business for me. So I sat with somebody for an hour and found out as much as I could. And that helped me so much. So again, just look, you know, a formal relationship is good to hold you to task and keep you on track. And also here and there, look for people that can help you in different areas along the way. And, and what about feedback? So I, I have, because it's so in terms of that course correction, and, and maybe this is in the same relationship, but I have a long held belief that I, I think women don't get as much tough or critical feedback as, as men do. Um, I've experienced that personally, where I feel like I'm like, no, no, I need to hear more. <laughs> I need to hear exactly where I could be better. Um, and I think that can become limiting. And so I would imagine as an entrepreneur um, or even an intrapreneur that there might be a dearth of that kind of critical feedback loop for women. Is that something you've experienced or you uh, see? Definitely. Yeah. I think sometimes we're afraid to hurt people's feeling. I think generally that's the reason we don't get the feedback, but really being candid with people is what you need to do so that they can improve. You know, I know myself, I kind of struggled early on with giving feedback and being direct and trying to sugarcoat it. And when you do that, you're really doing a disservice to the person. So what I do is there, I often... there's the dog I told you there'd be something we must be getting a delivery sorry go ahead hopefully it's something good 
So what I always do is I, when I have some important feedback to give, I send an email and then I follow up with, I'll give you a call about this. So I have it kind of the direct message in writing, and then I can kind of talk it through with the person by phone if it's a harsh message. And I also try to include positives, what they're doing right in addition to whatever they're doing wrong. And most people I know want to improve, right? 95% of all people really want to hear that feedback and want to improve and want to be told they're doing something wrong to avoid embarrassment or, you know, just to be a better employee. So I think we have to get more comfortable with being direct and giving them that feedback. There might be like 5% of the people out there who are just there for a paycheck and they don't care, but it's very rare. In most mm-hmm. cases, people really do want to improve. Yeah. I think that's such an important thing. We, we used to always say that, you know, people aren't motivated by money and I'm like, well, I hate that one personally. (laughs) To some degree, I think we all are. But but, but the truth is that, yeah, when you're doing work and you're putting your name on it, and particularly if you're building something on your own, it is so important to get that critical feedback and to get that motivation to do better and to be better and, and do more, not for the sake of achievement, but for the sake of, of being authentic and getting your, your brand or your notoriety to where you want it to be. It's so critical. Oh, definitely. And I love when I get feedback. I mean, I've had people send me, tell me because I'm new, as I said, to publishing, that's not the way it's done. I said, Oh, thank you for letting me know. How is it done? So the more we can be direct and honest with people, the more they'll thrive. And as an entrepreneur, it's important for your team because that's your business and they're representing you, of course. And when you're working at a corporation, you want those women to succeed and move up and Mm -hmm. your feedback direct and candid will really help them get there. Yeah. And you're, you're also hitting on humility there, right? Like there's, there's certain things where, you know, I, I did a course, uh, a few years ago and they were sharing, like, at this point in your career, there's just some stuff you're not going to be good at. That's okay. You know, like you can't be, like you're saying the striving to be perfect. You can't be good at everything. You're just, it's just not possible. And so forgiving yourself that need to kind of fill every single bucket where do you pull somebody in or where do you sit down with somebody for an hour and pick their brain so that you feel at least enough to be dangerous, but you don't need to be an expert. You don't need to be an expert and you can't, nobody is perfect out there, no matter what it is, no matter what level. And even this, the most successful people, they still get hit with feelings of imposter syndrome and feelings of, you know, rejection and failures. They're still getting it. So it's important to really keep that in mind that no one's perfect, that we'll all hit setbacks, we'll all hit obstacles. We've got to learn and grow and improve along the way. And the more we do that, the better off we'll be. Let, let's talk about imposter syndrome because, okay. uh, you know, it's something where I think there's a duality where we all share imposter syndrome and then we all share moments where you're like, no, I'm so good at that. You know, you kind of have <laughs> that kind of the both polar sides. Yes. Um, how do you see that play out with, with entrepreneurship? Because, you know. We all have those moments, like, who am I to X, Y, Z? Yeah, definitely. And I am exactly that. I think I am the best thing since sliced bread one day, and then the next minute I'm down. So what we have to do is really learn to change our focus in general, 
being an entrepreneur, you are going to fail, fail, fail before you succeed. And you have to just work on getting out of those moments and building your resilience. So what I suggest, for example, a few weeks ago, I had something really huge happen that was really positive. And then one little minor rejection. I kept focusing on this stupid little mm -hmm. minor rejection. And I told myself, you know what? You need to reset. I didn't have any meetings that afternoon anymore. So I just took a break. I spent some time with my kids. I did a little workout, whatever you need to do to reset. And I think that's the important thing to remember. We all are going to feel that setback. Back. We're all going to feel that loss, but just find a way out of it and really celebrate those failures. Like I talk about having an ups and downs, buddy, someone like if you have a big pitch or you have a big presentation or you have an interview, whatever it is, plan a celebration afterwards. If you got whatever you wanted, it worked well good. It's a celebration. If you failed, celebrate anyways. You have a friend to fall back on. You know, you can celebrate those failures. Just get yourself out of it, whatever it takes. It could be that you have a family member or a friend who always lifts you up. Call them and just kind of reset your mood because you will go down sometimes, but just find a way to lift yourself back up. Yeah. I love that concept of an ups and downs, buddy. You know, <laughs> they and all need one. <laughs> yeah. And if it's the same person, great. But like that idea that, you know, I think when we look back, I've had this conversation a lot about career and, you know, kind of what were the pivotal milestones for your career and very infrequently is it when I got that promotion, when I got that new assess assignment, like that wasn't the milestone. Like the milestone was, you know, this deal blew up and I had to make it happen anyway, or, you know, the leadership dropped out and we needed to figure out how to steer the ship. Like those are the moments that you actually grow and that becomes so valuable. But in the moment it's, you do, you get into this swirl of, I can't do anything right. And I don't, I'm not worthy of this. And, um, I knew they were going to find out about me, you know, that's, <laughs> that's my big one. I, I, I always joke when I interviewed at Google, um, one of the interviewers asked how, uh, I went to Northeastern university in Boston oh, and nice. I believe, uh, they thought I went to Northwestern when they looked at it quickly on my resume because they asked me how I liked Chicago. And so that's <laughs> my theory after 17 years, one year, they're going to realize that I am not <laughs> Ivy league and they're going to drag me out of there. <laughs> yeah, I think everyone sort of suffers from that. Sometimes it's good to make a list of all of your accomplishments because we forget how much, how many great things we've done. Make a list, put it somewhere in your office. So if you're going into something big or you're feeling down, you can refer to that. And I also think it's a good idea to journal even just your everyday things that are happening because sometimes we feel like in business, we feel like we're sitting still and we're not making any progress. But when we flip back through the journal, we're shocked at how many things we've actually done and th we think a month ago, this was what I was worried about. I'm so far beyond that now. So it's actually moving much quicker than we think. That's such an, you know, it'd be interesting to do something like that for uh, also journaling like progress of, of women or companies or organizations where you feel inequities because there is progress being made. It just, it's going to happen over time. And I think to feel that, sustain that momentum and sustain that hope, you do have to journal that. I mean, you have so many tips about, you know, the, framing yourself and, and getting yourself 
kind of ready for these big moments. This is fantastic. So much of it is just reframing things, you know, and even now during the pandemic, there are some businesses that are like, oh, we can't do this now. Well, it's not about what you can't do. It's really about what you can. And that's with anything. And I'm a firm believer that whatever you want in life, whatever you want to do, if you set your mind to it, you come up with your goals, you stick with it, you just develop resilience, you'll get there eventually. Oh my God. I think I'm going to have to make a meditation of this episode and just (laughs) play it it for myself before I go to sleep at night. I can do this. Charlene said I can do this. You can. Yes. Have you always been such a a perpetual optimist or is this something you've developed over your career or? You know, I don't know that I've always been an, well, my daughter, my teenage daughter tries to say, you know, you're so optimistic. I don't want to hear it. I, no no I, teenager wants to hear that. <laughs> no, but I mean, I've always been sort of optimistic. I'm really tenacious, so I'll stick with things. I do have my down moments for sure. I definitely feel those setbacks, those rejections, just like someone else, but I try to come out of things. And something that happened when my kids were young, my kids were just two and four. My husband left for work one day and he was in an accident and he passed away. And that was oh like a God. big moment to me where I thought, you know, I was mid PhD. I was working a couple of jobs. I was, you know, with two toddlers. I thought I can never do this. I just can't. There's no way I'm going to be able to raise these kids on my own. There's no way I'll uh, finish my PhD. There's no way I'm going to do all those things that I want to do. But as anyone in that kind of situation does, you know, you have to dig deep and you have to find a way out. And, and I did, you know, there are so many things that I've done that I probably would have never done had my path not changed. And I think that's the important thing to remember. There's always a silver lining and we just really have to think about finding a new way sometimes. Oh my God. First of all, I'm so sorry that you went through that. I I did read that in your bio and I, I frankly had, had forgotten. Um, I can't even imagine in that moment, I would just imagine that it's so much easier to just throw it all out. Right. Nobody would have, blamed you for for dropping all those balls and being like I just can't yeah it was (laughs) you know it's tempting of course but you know with two little kids you really have to it's not like you can take a day off and just lie around and say ah feed yourselves (laughs) kids or whatever it is so it sort of forced me I I did feel like okay I have to stick with my plans and when I did finally finish the PhD it took me longer of course but I remember you know defending my dissertation and just tear like fighting back tears because I thought I have done this you know yeah I, I think sometimes when we're in couples or we're working with a multiple team we sort of naturally just kick back a little bit and think this person will do that but when you're on your own you just have no choice but to to keep going same with being a solopreneur you know if you're running the business it's your gig you got to make it happen so yeah I mean you wake up in the morning and there's nobody else to to depend on and you just especially with children, you're just putting one foot in front of the other and you have to keep going. Well, I, I can see where your tenacity uh, and resilience uh, comes from. It sounds like that was deep in your core uh, prior to that tragedy and that that's continued as a tenant for your life. Yeah, that's absolutely. Amazing. You got to keep <laughs> keep moving along. No yeah. other choice. Yeah. This is so it's so amazing. And, and it you know, you're, you're making me think of another topic. There's, there's so many paths I want to go down with you. And I know we don't have 12 hours to talk, but, um, there's this 
concept and I'm certain. Oh, see, now I'm getting another delivery. I'm sorry. FedEx <laughs> is like my best friend and you're hearing my dog in the background. But um, well, there's this concept that uh, a word we all see, a word we all feel uh, some days more than others, this concept of burnout. Um, and I recently read an article in the New York Times about uh, kind of switching burnout on its head toward betrayal because burnout carries with it this connotation that you're not tough enough or you've not, you're not going to, you know, you don't have enough fight in you. You're not going to make it. And the truth of it is, is, is particularly now with the pandemic, it's really that, and even prior to the pandemic, the whole construct of working full time and office work versus, you know, caring for kids, like none of it lines up. It's all conducive to burnout. Um, what are your what are your thoughts? What is your experience? Yeah, so I mean, burnout is common, and it's just about really scheduling our time, which can be hard. We have this notion that okay, this is our business; we have to give it twenty four seven. And when we're actually doing that, it's actually detrimental for our business. We're not as productive as we could be. We're just really kind of staring blankly at the screen. You know, we know we have a lot to do, but it's so much that it's overwhelming. So I really recommend that people take a critical look at their schedule, see where they're wasting time, kind of track yourself for a week or two, and then mm. find those areas, I call them time sucks, that you can outsource or delegate or get rid of. A big one for women is we have a hard time saying no. Like people ask us yes. to do things and we have to learn to say no. Like I look at things as, is this going to do anything for my goals or does it add value to me personally? Or is it something that I feel like I really want to do? Otherwise, just get comfortable with saying no. If it's not serving you at all, it's not helping somebody that's important to you or something that's important to you, then get rid of it or outsource it. Also, it can help to really tidy up and streamline things. You know, even just having a messy desk <laughs> can really slow you down when you're trying to find things or organizing your files. Sometimes I'll look for something if it's not quite organized well. So do those things that can help you become more productive and ditch those distractions. Maybe like me, I have a hard time with my phone sometimes and the notifications. So turn off notifications, put your phone somewhere else, and then schedule two or three main things you want to get done every day, and then schedule out chunks where you can work on them. And mm -hmm. so you'll work on one to two hour chunk to get a certain project done and then go back and check your emails or whatever it is you need to do. So I find that's the best way, just kind of taking control of your schedule and then just setting certain hours for work and certain hours for other areas of your life. And this won't be perfect, right? Of course, maybe we say eight to six is for work and we try to stick with that as much as possible unless something unusual is going on. And then we communicate with our family or other stakeholders we have and just let them know, hey, I'm working from eight to six, but I am saving six to eight for whatever it is you want to do. And I know as a single mom, that happens to me a lot. My kids want to make sure that they're needs are being met and things are important to them. And if we all talk to each other and schedule around each other, we can make it all work and make everything happy. And also as women, we really need to put ourselves at the top of our list. Mm -hmm. We always put ourselves last. We have business, we have um, our families, we have everything else in our lives, but we have to eat well. We have to get enough sleep. We, you know, those simple things, working out, getting that exercise, the better happier and healthier we are, the better employees will be, the better entrepreneurs will be, and the better we'll be for our family. So it's really important to do that too. 
Yeah, I think that's that somewhere that message came to us as women and as mothers that we are put on this earth to care for others instead of caring for ourselves. And I think that's one of the most toxic things that we've put out there. Um, I, I don't know how or when it happened, but I really like vanquished any notion of mom guilt. Right. At some, at some <laughs> point I was like, no, uh-uh. I need, I need sleep. I need time away. I need, you know, exercise. I need, and, and my kids are older as, as are yours so that you can rationalize with them. You can't really say that to a three-year-old, <laughs> but, um, you know, there's the, that notion of why on earth should I feel guilty of taking care of myself? And wouldn't I want to show my children that that's important for them to do too? Absolutely. Yeah. Feeling guilty is, is what I was about to mention next. We Funny. shouldn't feel guilty. You know, no one is perfect. Nobody's a perfect mom. Nobody is a perfect employee. Nobody is a perfect business owner. There's just no such thing as perfect. And again, we need to let that go, like not over obligate ourselves and just burn ourselves out because we're not good to anyone then. We really have to let it go. And I also had the same thing. I used to try to do everything, everything. And at some point I decided, okay, I cannot do everything and I'm not going to feel guilty about it. And you really have to do that. Yeah, you do. And I, I also wonder if it's age at some point too. Could be. You know, we talk about this where you know, your 20s are so filled with self-doubt and then your 30s, you're definitely more sure of who you are. And then I guess in your 40s, I just stopped giving a shit. I'm like, <laughs> this is all I can do. Um, so I don't know what I'm going to be like in my 50s, but, you know, I mean, it's, it's, we all have our limits. We all have 24 hours in a day. And, um, you know, the sleep thing is also something that I'm fascinated by because, I struggle with insomnia like so many of my contemporaries. Yes. Um, and it seems to really afflict women. And I'm sure part of it is hormonal and I'm sure part of it is, you know, just our anxieties and our mindsets. But um, that is a critical part of health and productivity. Oh, absolutely. You know, when you have not enough sleep, that's when you start feeling bad. You get upset easily. I was just reading an article yesterday that Lisa Kudrow does puzzles to help herself fall asleep. I at saw night. that too. <laughs> Did was you see that? Drive or Ariana yes, Huffington? it was. Yes. yes. <laughs> And I thought, oh, that's interesting. Maybe I'll try puzzles. I think our minds are so active. We have so much going on. We just need to do something just to shut it down at night so that we can ensure we're getting that healthy sleep because it's so yeah. critical. Yeah. My, my shutdown tip is wine and that tends to not help. My sleep. <laughs> Super it fun does temporarily. Time. Yes. yes exactly. then, it, then you wake up again. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, well, you're, I can't wait to read the book cause I did not, um, get a copy. I think I got a digital copy, but I am a, I need to touch it. Yes. Um, so I cannot wait because I feel like this conversation has been so chock full of, I, I swear this should be a meditation of all the things that we can do to kind of, to help ourselves and support ourselves as we branch out. Um, oh, thank you. Yeah. Are there, are there any other critical tips that you want to leave our listeners with or any other topics you wish we had covered? My main thing is just, you know, know that you can do whatever you want to and whatever you put yourself you know, out there and you want to do whatever you try for, you can do. And just to really take care of yourself because that's so important for women. I say it over and over again. And the last thing is just knowing your own value. I feel that is 
vital for women to know how valuable they are, to remind themselves, do whatever it takes, make yourself a list, but you are doing great. Don't ever let anyone tell you otherwise and don't beat up yourself, first of all. Mm -hmm. This is all so hard and it's hard even pre-pandemic and and during the pandemic, it's just we're, we're all shouldering a lot uh, yes. and we don't have to make it look good all the time. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, your book is called Launch Your Inner Entrepreneur, 10 Mindset Shifts for Women to Take Action, Unleash Creativity and Achieve Financial Success. If our listeners want to engage with you or reach out to you or learn more about your work, uh, where should they head? They could head to my website, which is charlenewalters.com. I'm Charlene Walters, PhD on Instagram, on LinkedIn, on Facebook. I'm C. Walters, PhD on Twitter and Clubhouse. And you can find out more about the book on launchyourinnerentrepreneur.com. Thank you so much awesome. for listening today. Thank you so much, Charlene. Thanks, Bethany. Don't forget to jump over to Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts and hit the subscribe button. And please leave a review to give us direct feedback and also to get the podcast in front of more eyes. It's very much appreciated. Mm -hmm.